you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Konnichiwa, Koto 5, Podakasto, Iyokazo, Otanashimi, Kodasai. Me and Jesse have been playing a <laughs> lot of Shemu this week. That Shenmue is the best game in the world. Um, yeah, it's just been re-released on PlayStation for anyone who's listening in the future. And so we've been listening, hearing a lot of Japanese. What did you just say in Japanese? I like? said, uh, hello, welcome to Got Till 5, please enjoy. <laughs> yay! Yay, Got Till 5, that's who we are. You know that because you've pressed play. If you've never listened to us before, hello! If you've um, listened before, hello! <laughs> uh, he's Max, I'm Jesse. Um, we, uh, yeah, it's Summer Slam stuff. That's what we're doing this week, eh? Yeah, so technically, because of we don't do the whole time thing, um, this Summer oh, Slam yeah. might, not, might have happened, might not have happened. We might have also oh. gone on to that podcast with Steve Fingerstars and reviewed Summer Slam 2018. Maybe that happened. Time is a construct, but that's... Um, yeah, so if you're listening, like, when this just dropped, which I know a lot of you do, because you retweeted that, nice, thanks, nice to see you, um, then uh, go listen to Steve so that his numbers, like, drastically go up just for the episode we're on, and he'll be like, hmm, that's strange. He was angry when um, he found out we were on Spotify, and he's not, wasn't he, Max? <laughs> he was, oh, he was bitter. Oh, angry he invi- man. He invited us back for Survivor Series, but I don't think we're going to be getting a, a letter in the post. No, well, he better hurry up and guest on our show so that he can at least, his voice can be on Spotify and some of it. It's the only way he'll ever get on Spotify is to guest on our podcast. Don't cut him deep, Jesse. Don't (laughs) cut him deep. Do you think he'll listen to this? Of course he does. He listens to all of them. Does he? Oh, sorry, Steve. How how are you, my dear? I'm all right. Yeah, like you said, we've just been playing lots of Shenmue. Um, I've got a mirror from the basement of my dojo. I'm avenging my father's death. And um, it's going, it's going, well, it's not going well at all, actually, because my father's death is still far from avenged. But I've got lots of capsule toys. I like that we're half an hour late to recording again because we just kept going, G- give me two minutes, I just need to finish this bit. <laughs> just, a bit bit. just a bit more ashamed of me, just a bit more ashamed of me. As if they need any help publicity but if anyone's listening to this who likes video games and has never played Shenmue get on it it's really good yeah and tell us what you think if you do because we're interested for because me and Jesse this is like our childhood game so it's amazing for us but if you never played it before we like to hear what people think who haven't yes exactly yeah. but this is a wrestling podcast um and as Jesse said we're talking about the top five moments of SummerSlam for the well, past top five matches, 30, you mean. yeah, sorry, top five matches of SummerSlam from the past thirty years, from nineteen eighty-eight to now. That's exciting. Have you got Eddie from nineteen eighty-eight? I've got fuck all. I don't even know what happened in nineteen eighty-eight. No, nor me. Um, Macho Man and Elizabeth got married. That's the earliest SummerSlam moment I can recall. 92? And I guess that that would have been yeah, something like that around there, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. Um, quick, quick beef off the start. Twitter. So what? If, no, you know about this. So, if people have listened to our podcast previously, Jesse has been wanting a sex shop to kind of be oh, our yeah! sponsor. Now, we, we had these guys reach out to us and we're just like, hey, thanks, thanks for all of this. And, you know, if there's anything you need from us, let us know. And I said, why not a sponsorship deal? And they went, what, what are you thinking? Well, I thought, you know, maybe let's just do like a couple of percent off thing. You know, we're just using this as kind of a bit, really, aren't we? And then... Um, <laughs> 
we went back and forth for a while, and I, I did my business well. Uh, but then he comes back to us. By the way, our Twitter handle is Got Till Five Wrestling Podcast. He messaged me back, going, uh, "I've just found out that you guys are a wrestling podcast, so I don't think uh, the the market's going to be right, you know." But he said it in a, like a condescending way. Does he not understand how sponsorship works? First off, he's an yeah. That so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know wrestling fans tend to be virgins, but that doesn't... doesn't Jesse's got a girlfriend. That doesn't count. (laughs) Got a girl and lots of sex toys. Um, uh, Not bought from the place that has um, turned us down for a sponsorship, I might add. Um, Yeah, it's like everyone buys... It's like, do people who buy sex toys exclusively listen to podcasts about sex toys or something? Yeah. Like, that, that seems to be what he thinks. And how do we know it was a he, by the way, that we were talking to? He, he was talking like he, he knew his... Yeah. He had that macho bravado about him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like mean. it. Yeah, right. And you yeah. look at Steve's podcast. Steve's sponsored by Poppy Apparel, a, a purely female clothing store. Exactly. I can't imagine any women listening to his podcast. Yeah, as he says, he normally has one. Or yeah, men exactly. that like to live dangerously, as you pointed out yesterday. So, yeah, exactly. Fuck you, dildo store. Fuck you. Dil- <laughs> you dildo off. Just shove those dildos right up your arse! <laughs> so, yes, we're, we're no longer expect. Well, if no, anyone No, we will. Knows. It won't be these guys, but we will get sponsored by some sort of sex shop. I promise you, Max. Guaranteed. Uh, I've, I've, t- I've taken this as a personal vendetta, so we're going to do it, and then we're going to start like tweeting hate at this one that's turned us down. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let's just fire like have like go there and fire dildos at their windows. And <laughs> they're in North like, London, apparently, so that's totally doable. There we go. We'll do it. We'll like like Robin Hood with his bow and arrow. And it'll be bend you over and bow, fire it out. Yeah, bow, bow and bow ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classy start. Sorry, listeners, I had to get off my chest. Uh, it really annoyed me. Right. Anything going on in your life you want to share? Personally. Just uh, just Shenmue, just so much Shenmue. It's um, I know we don't like talking about what time it is and that, but it's a bank holiday weekend this weekend, and um, for professional entertainers such as myself, that means that you're I'm digging even more than normal, so I'm getting amped up for that to um, service all the happy people enjoying their holiday. Isn't that just going to annoy you that you can't be at home playing your game? Yes, of course it is. I'm going to resentfully play music all weekend. Just play the Shemu theme on your little drum box. Yeah, because that's how it works. <laughs> I just play any any tune on the box. I would. Form a protest. Yeah, alright, I'll do that just for you. Thank All you. night. Thank you, Jesse Benz. Um, how, how do you feel about SummerSlam as a pay-per-view in general? Used to love it, now it's just a slog. All WWE pay-per-views are slogs now because they're so long. I hate how long everything is. Um, but I think... That, that, Glory years for us was early 2000s, as we talk about all the time, and that's when all of my favourite SummerSlams were, so that's where a lot of my matches are coming from. Um, and that, back then, back then, I can think of, um, like, it, it felt like a really cool event back then. I remember 2003 SummerSlam had um, St. Anger by Metallica as, oh, yeah. its, um, as its theme, like the show's theme music, and even though that was an awful album we know that now at the time it was like ah oh, this is so cool like this it felt like a proper summer song and like i was a 13 year old i was young i was free 
Ah, it was just a better time, but yeah, it's all um, it's all gone away now. How do you feel about SummerSlam? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say the same about you. It, it used to be one of my favourite pay per views, and out with the big four now, it's probably my least favourite that I end up watching. But there's been some great moments, and as always, let me preface this top five by saying these are not the top five best SummerSlam matches. That's not what we're saying. These are our top five personal favourite matches because that seems to get lost in translation every single show. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's... Like, everyone knows what the top ones are and it's subjective anyway. They are the top ones, in my opinion. So, fuck off. Yeah, man. You stick it to the man, Jesse. But there's been some great SummerSlam moments and some great SummerSlam matches. And we've also spoken to the Got Till 5 Milky Way universe about their favourites as well. So at the end of the show, we'll be hearing from them. But before we get to the top five, business out the way. Jesse, new subscribers and all that. Where can they find all the good shit? Oh, God. Um, If you listen, uh, (laughs) com. You just do it so quick. You just do it so quick. We just do it and move uh, on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotto5.com. And uh, leave nice it's reviews and stuff. It's all there. Twitter and um, links and that. Yeah, just go, go find us. Yeah, if you like this episode, leave nice reviews and all that shit, and we'd greatly appreciate it. But should we um, should we talk about some SummerSlam second biggest pay-per-view of the year? Let's do it. Drop that. Drop. Should we? We will drop that drop. Are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. You fans can stick it, brother. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. Done. Dropped. That dad good. There it was. <laughs> is there a bit of a is there a bit of a delay with us? I feel like there's more of a delay than normal. I'd rather have a bowl of cocoa pops. Oh, should we try it again? I'd rather have a bowl of cocoa pops. That's yeah, alright. It's manageable. It's okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I think we broke up a little bit, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Welcome everyone to the top five where me and Jesse will be discussing <laughs> I'm leaving that there. Where we'll be discussing the top five matches of SummerSlam. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 30 years of SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, that's mental. Um, they didn't make a big thing about that this year. I thought they would, sort of 30th anniversary and all that, but I didn't hear a mention of that once. I'm pretty sure Michael Cole said 31st, which really oh. kind of irritates me. Because I get confused about that when it comes to WrestleMania, because WrestleMania uh, 1 was in 1985, but every 10-year anniversary seems to happen on a 4. So, 94, 2004. Well, yeah, of course it does. You're not... Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. That's weird. But it is like like you're not one on the day you're born. No, it's, you? it, the math works out, but it just throws me off. Yeah. So I wondered if they did the same for SummerSlam, but apparently not. But, you know, but man doesn't like to date things now, remember? We don't have WrestleMania oh, yeah, numbers, so... Even though we know it's a damn old company. Well, there you go. Um, who's going to go first, you or me? Ooh, rock, paper, scissors again? Uh, yeah, okay. I quite enjoy this. I do too. Alright, three, two, one, then go. Yeah. Three, two, one. Paper. Yeah, I win! Um, okay, I go first. Um, I'm starting to. Oh, whoa, 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 Oh, noise. Um, what if we have a crossover? Yeah, see, we deliberately avoided all crossovers on the last show, didn't we? And it was 12 hours long. So, 
<laughs> Jesse's um, girlfriend almost stabbed him in the leg. Yeah, she had. Yeah, she came home early. Uh, no, no, she didn't. We just went on forever. She came home at a perfectly normal time, and um, yeah, we just carried on talking for a long time. And she had to sit in silence in the bedroom, which is um, my plan all along. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, okay. If we get a noise, um, we just talked about Saint Anger being the theme song for um, SummerSlam 2003. Can we sing a bit of Saint Anger? Yeah, yeah, we can sing a bit over. of Saint Anger. What's what? How's the chorus go again? Um, I'm madly in anger with you. I'm madly in anger with you. He just shouts that over and over again. That kind of works if, like, we take a crossover. I'm just going, I'm madly in anger with you. Okay, yeah, so let's do that. Just say, I'm madly in anger with you. You can get away with sampling, like, a second of Metallica, can't you? They won't sue us. Yeah, they've never been, like, unreasonable (laughs) with music. (laughs) No, that'd be fine. Lars seems like a little kitten. Um... (laughs) Cool. Okay, um, I'll go first then. My first one is from SummerSlam 2015. Not that long ago. Very recent. Very, very recent. And it is John Cena defending the WWE title against Brock Lesnar. Dun, 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 yeah. dun. That is something I have to say that um, when Brock leaves, which he might already have done, I'm not sure. Um, he, I'm going to miss his music. His music is awesome. His music is awesome. I, I watched a video of when he fir- when he came back and took out Cena after being gone for yeah. so long. Oh, and that music hits. And he's oh, doing his like, little peck dance to the tune. It's like final boss music, isn't it? It's like, ah, oh, this is like the guy that's going to kill us all. Yeah. Uh, but this match, um, as is evident in this match, see, what we do a lot as sort of smarky wrestling fans is um, all these matches that we talk about that we love, they're always these epic back and forth technical masterclasses or whatever not if wrestling was just that it would get boring all the time sometimes you need a match that just serves to tell a good story or to build a good character and this match was perfect for that for just so unexpected at the time for Brock Lesnar to just absolutely rape John Cena like just destroyed him I think he made uh, Cena got um, his five moves of doom in or half of them once in this whole match and the rest of it was just a absolute um, destruction of John Cena Super Cena and I just think watching Brock do that was incredible and just Michael Cole who you know we have our gripes about him I remember at the end of this match when the bell rings and Lesnar's the new champion you just hear Michael Cole go it wasn't even close. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. I just thought that was such a good commentary line and, just, and it made Lesnar just so scary like he was scary before but that made him like next level oh shit like what are we what are we gonna do now Lesnar's the champion completely because it was kind of a case of um this wasn't around the era when now we've got super nice Cena who's seemingly putting everyone over and is happy to do the job for everyone this was still pretty high up level Cena and you're right it it gets uncomfortable to the point that I hope no one walks in when I'm watching this because he is pants (laughs) down by his ankle on that mat it's Gruesome. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, the, the these series of Brock matches, the ones he did with like Punk and Cena, all great matches. But this one definitely stands out above them all. And it was supposed to be Daniel Bryan, was it? Instead of Cena, yeah. So uh, this was the SummerSlam after WrestleMania 30. So the idea was that um, Bryan would still been champion from 30. And Lesnar would have destroyed Bryan like that to win the title. That was the original booking, and then Bryan has to. Um, give up the title doesn't he because he's legitimately hurt um, 
so yeah that was the original plan so Cena basically took the fall he was like yeah I'll do it for my kind of brother-in-law and um yeah took took the took the beat in and um agreed to do it and it I think it worked out so much better that it was Cena because I think Brian if it happened to Brian it would have just made us sad whereas doing it to Cena turns it into this really cool spectacle I think yeah if it happened to Brian, it would have just—he would have just looked weak. Whereas destroying someone the size, not only physical size, but the how Cena is in the wrestling business, just made it that much more important. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, I can't. Anyone who like knows that match now, but didn't watch it at the time or weren't watching wrestling at the time, I cannot explain to you how legitimately unexpected the way that match went was. It is just—it's just incredible. The only thing that takes away... This match might even be a place higher on my top five if it wasn't for that stupid fucking kid in the front row throughout the whole match just going, Let's go see oh, that. Yeah. Forgot about him. Let's go see that. <laughs> Let's Stop go it. Stop see it. <laughs> Annoying, isn't it? Throughout the whole match. And like everyone else is like just slowly getting quiet because they're witnessing a murder. And except for this one kid, I feel like it kind of makes it, you know, just the please stand up, daddy, daddy, why, daddy, why? (laughs) Oh, but yeah, that's the only bad point of this otherwise awesome match. And Heyman is brilliant at ringside as well, as he always is. And uh, yeah, just great, just brilliant, brilliant match, I think. And told a great story and turned Lesnar into the character, a very strong character. Solid opener there, Jesse Benz, well done. Thanks. My number five comes a year before yours, so we're starting off quite current here. Mine is from mm. SummerSlam 2014. Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins in a lumberjack match. You love this match, don't you? I, I remember fucking you, love um, this match. Yeah, I remember you. I think you showed it to me, actually, because um, I'd sort of taken a bit of a year out around this time. Or a couple of years out, in fact. Um, so didn't watch this SummerSlam as it happened. And yeah, you showed me it. And I thought it was good. Um, I enjoyed it as well. I don't understand why it was a lumberjack match. Uh, yeah, because they hadn't really... So they'd been fighting and fighting and fighting. And then Rollins was kind of the chicken shit heel of being in the authority. So he kept weaseling out of matches. So I think that's why they ended up making it a lumberjack match. But for the authority to make it a lumberjack match, that bit I don't understand. Um it's not a wrestling match by any stretch of the imagination. It's just fun, chaotic mess at the end of the day. It's Seth and Dean. They beat the hell out of each other for the first little bit. And then the Lumberjacks get involved. And then every motherfucker gets taken out, which is quite rare. And l- Lumberjack matches are boring matches. Historically, they're quite boring matches. They're stupid. Um, yeah, they're just, it's just a stupid idea. But, I've, I've never enjoyed them. You, you see more Lumberjill matches than Lumberjacks, don't you? Um, generally speaking, because they just desperately want to get all women like paid. They, they, yeah, basically, back when um, back when women's wrestling wasn't a big thing, it was just like, oh, we just need to get them on telly somehow. So we'll do a Lumberjill match, and then you just see everyone. Yeah, um, but they made this lum- Lumberjack match work f- for me. Um, they did a suplex to outside, took half of them out. And then they escape into the crowd, Seth and Dean I'm talking about. Um, and then the Lumberjacks are chasing through the crowd to bring them back because Kane, who was like suit Kane at this point, ordered them to bring them back. So they get Dean, Seth tries to like chicken shit run away. And then you've got like six 
all of them pretty much ho- hoisting him in the air, dragging him back to the ring. Um, and the weirdest pop in this match is so they chuck him back in the ring, and it's Seffendine again. And then Kane gets in the ring and breaks up the count for Ambrose. Goldust immediately gets in and gets in Kane's face. The pop for the stand down between Kane and Goldust is ridiculous. And it makes I love it when they tease stuff like that. Yeah. Like stuff that stuff that's never gonna happen, but there's just this moment where you go, Ooh, I've never considered that. Like and that's awesome. Yeah, and then all the lumberjacks come in and it's just like a melee. It, it I think it's probably what, a twelve minute match, but it just brings a smile to my face when I watch it, and I think it's ridiculous. Uh, what was Miz's stunt double called? Was it Miz Damien? Mizdow. Mizdow. Damien Mizdow. Damien Mizdow. Or Damien Sandow. Sandow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He cut, he, Mizdow when he was with Miz. He's standing by the ring dressed as a lumberjack, and that's that's the kind of attention to detail I liked about him. He was. Do you remember when he was like massively over, and everyone was yeah. like desperate for Sandow to do well? Then they just fired him, and no one gave a shit. <laughs> that was the end of it. Yeah. It was like, mm. Like that's just such that's such a wrestling fan thing, isn't it? We're all idiots. Like, just we were we did we were like chanting for Sandow because we loved Sandow. We just wanted to be different, and then they got rid of him, and it was like, oh okay, we'll just move on to something else. Then we didn't actually care about Sandow. Oh no, no, no one's ever going to leave. Also, he sounds like a Pokemon, and that bothers me. Sandow, Sandow, yeah, Sandow. I, I could. I could train a Sandow. You could train a Sandow well. Yeah, man. I could, t- I could take that to the Elite Four. So, uh, SummerSlam 2014, Dean and Seth. Fun match. I, it's probably one of my favourites out of their little series that they did. Um, and yeah, it's just a fun, fun little silly start to the top five, Jesse. Little silly start. Very good. I've always thought Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are not in their wrestling styles, but in the way that they've had this rivalry and stuff, um, sort of had that brett and sean feel to them do you know what i mean like that's sort of when we want a good match they could just go to those two and put them in the ring together yeah they found their their opposite who they can work well with we spoke about this last week i think when we said that um they always tried to make randy orton john cena's equivalent but it was yes. always edge yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. but they've kind of exactly found it that. with these two yeah, definitely. And just quickly talking about, um, saying about Goldust and Kane and their standoff, that reminded me of, um, do you remember a few years ago when Triple H won the Royal Rumble when he came in at number 30? Yes. As like corporate Triple H. Won the title, yeah. Um, and won the title, yeah. Um, there was a moment where he had a quick stare off with Bray Wyatt. Mm. Yeah, do you remember that? And it was that. just like the most random, and that, that second, it was like, holy fuck, I want to see that straight away. And I, I'd never even, the idea of Bray Wyatt and Triple H had never even entered my mind before. And all they had to do was just stare at each other for a second. I don't think they even touched. They just stared at each other for a few seconds and they got distracted. And that's all it took. And I was like, yeah, okay, I want that Crowd went now. mental as well. Yeah, they, they yeah, loved man, it. it was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. Um, anyway, uh, back to SummerSlam. Uh, my number four is from the same SummerSlam. How's that? Mm. It's um, Brock Lesnar again, but this time against CM Punk. Ah. Ah. You're not madly in anger with me. I'm not madly in anger with you. There is no Brock Lesnar on my list. Ah. But this match um, is great. This is probably my favourite CM Punk match. It's my favourite Brock Lesnar match. Is it? No, it's not. No, from his return. From his return. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'd probably agree with you there as well. Um, it's just, it's just great. Uh, CM Punk wrestles his heart out, um, and when you listen to um, the interviews he's done since he left WWE and stuff, he was miserable as sin at this point. But um, it didn't show in his work because he just 
absolutely slayed it. Brock looked amazing. Brock worked really hard as well. I think you can tell that Punk and Brock uh, like each other or certainly um, have a mutual respect of each other's ability based on how they wrestled because they didn't let each other get away with anything, but they still were accommodating to each other's styles, certainly in a way that Lesnar hasn't been with other people. Um, Had a storyline with Heyman being both guys' manager. He'd obviously turned on Punk shortly before this, and Heyman sort of gets involved a bit and gets really, like, legitimately punched in the nose by Punk, which I quite enjoy. Um, Like, really hard, really hard punch. And um, it's it's just a great match. It's just... I don't know what else to say about it, really. It's the, just the beast versus the best. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it had a good build-up as well. You know, when you've got any time that Punk can go opposite Heyman, um, makes for a good, good match, really. Oh, the dynamic of, or even when Punk's with Heyman, because obviously Heyman's there to speak for Lesnar, but Punk doesn't need someone to speak for him, so they just become this incredible double act that can bounce off each other so well. And some of the promo they've done together are fantastic but um it's and i remember after this match do you know you know in the middle of pay-per-view sometimes they just go to a panel and it's always like booker t or Shawn michaels sitting with renee young and um they get like rosenberg and people like that on them now and they just have a quick recap of what's happened so far they did that straight after this match and Shawn michaels just like he asked a stupid question about something and just didn't answer the question at all because he knew he only had a couple of seconds on camera and just went yeah whatever he just looked straight into the camera and he was like, Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, thank you very much. And I think if you hit, if you if you get that from Shawn Michaels, that's all you Yeah, do. you've done well. It was a long match as well. I, it clocked in about 25 minutes overall. Um, yeah. Which is unprecedented for Lesnar, really. Um, and I think that shows when people like, when Brock likes working with people, you can always tell. And as you say, I think he enjoyed working with Punk because they did a lot of stuff. There was submissions, there was chair shots, uh, yeah, Heyman getting involved and breaking up holds and stuff. There was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, they were, it was great. Just really good, well, well told story with some real, um, like ta- two, just two talented dudes doing what they do really, really fucking well. Yeah, SummerSlam 2013, Brock versus Punk. Forty? Was it thirteen? Yeah, or fourteen? It was thirty. I made a mistake. I, um, I said fourteen, didn't I? Sorry, idiot. Sorry, God, yeah, you're right, 14 was um, when other things happened. Yes. Um, my number four, we're going back to 1991. Oh, blimey. I know. I've spoken about this match before, I don't remember when. I think it must have been... No, no idea when. Intercontinental title matches, that was it. Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about this. Um, yeah, this is a very good match. Yes. I can't remember. I don't think. I don't know if I'd watched it when you talked about it the first time, but I have since watched it. Yes, and it is very, very good. And um, so this, Brett wasn't in the upper echelons at this point. Brett wasn't considered one of the top guys or even close to being it. This was kind of like his first mid-card opportunity, and this is what propelled him to that main event spot which from when i went to his talk helped explain why which i'll get to in a minute Ooh, we've got some tidbits have oh, we yeah so um great match for the intercontinental title um they just go all out he kind of rips off mr perfect's gear not in that way but in a aggressive way <laughs> hello. hello and um he someone cool thing he kicks he kicks out of the uh the perfect plex which no one had done before like no one. and that's not Michael Cole where six people have done it legitimately no one had kicked out of it before so that was 
pretty high rub from Mr. Perfect to give Bret Hart there. And uh, they just have a great technical match. You, you think of matches from 1991 and you go, oh, they're going to do a suplex and then just kick each other for 15 minutes. No, this match is like proper, proper stuff. Uh, the finish, I think, is brilliant. He goes to, he's got Brett's legs open. He goes to drop his legs down. Brett grabs it, locks in a sharpshooter while lying down, then turns over and stands up and gets into the sharpshooter and he taps out. And uh, that really was Brett's first big singles win in uh, in his WWE career. Now, as he said when I went and saw him, it was because of that and also what happened later on with the Ultimate Warrior. So the Ultimate Warrior um, claimed that he was owed like half a million from Vince and was kicking off and kicking off and all of this kind of stuff. And Vince said, fine, I'll pay you, and then fired him, like, immediately. So, oh, yeah, really? so we fired him, like, straight after SummerSlam. If you look at the end, you don't even see him celebrating with Hogan and Slaughter in the main event. That's how quickly Vince gets rid of him. Um, <laughs> now, apparently, Warrior was meant to go into a feud with Jake Roberts, but because Warrior was fired, Brett then took that spot, and then that's what kind of started building up Brett and getting in these all major storylines and stuff. Nice. So that's cool. And around that era, I've always I, I was thinking about this and um, someone I can't remember who said to me, this is why. Because I remember always thinking, why is Brett so popular in Europe? And like, cause he's like the guy in Europe, isn't he? Like people absolutely love him. And like they're Hogan. And I'm like, that's really strange. And it's because um, it was it was around this time or just after this time that WE first came to Europe on the television. It was never on TV in Europe before the early 90s. So, you know, Americans love their Hogans and stuff because they had it through the 80s when Hogan was the guy. We didn't have that, so he doesn't resonate with us in the same way. But Bret Hart does because that's when it was on telly for us. But I'd I'd never made that connection before, why we all love Bret so much more than America seems. Yeah, because he was just the first face you saw. And it was... He, he said, thank goodness that, like, Warrior got fired and that uh, all of this shit started, you know, because after this... In, ma- in many yeah, ways. After this, Jake Roberts when all the big guys started to drop off over the next four or five years and stuff. And yeah. thank goodness that they did. Because, as we've mentioned, uh, if you look at Survivor Series 92, which I always bang on about, you get the first Brett versus Sean match, which cements them as the oh, yeah. top stars. So this... This match is so important in the career of Brett because, like, this whole pay-per-view kicks off Brett ever getting to where he was going to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Brett and Sean very, in many ways, define our wrestling fandom, don't they? Yeah, 100%. You know, um, and it's because of all this. Um, Do you think if Mr. Perfect was alive today, he'd be proud of his son? God, no, I'm not proud of him. (laughs) I feel sorry for Curtis Axel, really. Like... He should be. I don't know if he should be treated better, but he's just—he's—he's he's never had any star quality he's to be. He's very and average and forgettable. You, I, when yeah, I was watching this year's SummerSlam or 2018 SummerSlam, and he did the promo backstage, it was almost like Perry Saturn levels of just half off camera, <laughs> no charisma in the voice. That was you talking about that last it was. week, wasn't it? Yeah. The Perry, Perry Saturn, Perry Saturn did a promo. Like, no, I think he was off Half camera and realise. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's like, "Why is Perry talking?" Such an idiot. <laughs> Poor Perry. Do you remember when he was trying to crowdfund the documentary about him, and no one funded it? No, I don't. Um, so it just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, I feel bad because he's probably going to be dead soon. But um, Perry Saturn did. Um, he went on Reddit and stuff and tried to crowdfund a documentary about him and was like really pleading for it to happen. And yeah, just no one, no one donated, or very, very few people donated. Oh, Perry, sad. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Poor Perry. Oh, we'll fund you. <sighs> Yeah, we will. We'll find him. He's a good dude. I heard a story. Right? He, there was some woman getting raped or something, and he broke it up and got in a fight with the rapist and um, it really injured himself. But the fact that he did that, you know, he's a, he's a good dude, I think. So, poor, yeah, poor I wonder Perry. if he's on Twitter. I'm going to find him. I don't uh, know. Do they yeah, have... I'm gonna... the, the homeless have Twitter? <laughs> he's got a website. Better than Billy Gunn's. No, no, wait. Oh, no, God. I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon. <laughs> Oh no! Really? Tell people about Billy Guns. So Billy Guns, the best like, thing in the you, world, or New Age Outlaws. So, if you go onto Billy Guns Twitter account, um, and you there's a link for his website, and you're like, "Oh, cool! I can find out some information." It's the newageoutlaws.com. And in many ways, let's preface this for people who don't listen to this so much. Uh, I personally, at least, very much view Billy Gunn as something of a mascot of this show. Very much so. He he is a hero. <laughs> Mr. He Ass. He is a hero. So you go onto the webpage, and it's just a picture of a nice blonde woman, and it says, Header Media. This is the Header Media text. Explore. And it's just, <laughs> welcome to your site. This is your homepage, which is what most visitors will see. And then it's just news, and there's one news article about the New Age Outlaws. And then Billy Gunn and Road Dog, and there's the same seven thumbnails on each page. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just why I I don't think he realizes that, or someone told him that they were going to make a website for him, and he just never bothered to check and just put that link up on his Twitter. It's ridiculous. I mean, hang on, I've got to find out how many followers he's got because it's a ridiculous amount. He's got loads. He's Mr. He's Mr. Ass. Mr. Everyone wants 300, to follow 300,000 followers, and he can't sell. Same for Perry Saturn. 27,000 followers. You go onto perrysaturn.net, and it says, yeah. buy this domain. Oh, no, really? And he's, oh, in his man. bio, it's, check out my website at perrysaturn.net, too. <laughs> oh, I bet that, that was Summit once, wasn't it? But it's just fallen by the wayside like everything else in his Yep, career. so, uh, honestly, if you look at the gottill5.com website, it's not great. But any old wrestlers, I'll happily do it for you. Because that's just embarrassing. I like our website. It's great. I didn't yeah. want to toot my own horn. I like our website. It's got good. Um, it's got a nice sort of modern but simple feel to it. Do you I know what I mean? We complicate the wrestling fans. Like us. Yeah. So, We're modern and simple. Right, so Perry Saturn, Billy Gunn. If anyone knows them, just tell them that I'll do their website for free. <laughs> just let's get this sorted. Let's do it, yeah. Especially Mr. Ass. Particularly Mr. Ass. Right. Um... Very good, very good choice. Um, or was it no, my choice? It was my choice. It's your choice now. No, it was your choice. Yeah. Ah, oh, we got distracted again. Okay, uh, this match is um, my second favourite opener of all time. Jesus. Mm. So, my favourite opener of all time is from Starcade 96, and it is Ultimo Dragon against Dimalenko. But my second favourite opener from any show of all time is from SummerSlam 2002, and it's Kurt Angle against Rey Mysterio. Ooh. Good choice, my friend. This match is just brilliant. Uh, it was Rey's first big match, his first pay-per-view match in WWE. Yep. 
I think he'd, he'd had like he debuted on SmackDown against Chavo. And by the way, if you watch Rey Mysterio's debut against Chavo on SmackDown, um, at, when he drops Chavo into the middle rope to set up the six one nine, um, he he looks out to the crowd, and before he runs to bounce off the rope to do the six one nine, he just shouts "ba ba la." No, he doesn't. He does. Go and find it on YouTube. Go find Rey Mysterio's debut WWE match. And um, just uh, drop a sample of it at the end of this podcast or something. Just <laughs> listen to him just go, But anyway, um, but before, um, yeah, after all that, he gets in this storyline with Kurt Angle. And um, do you remember, Kurt Angle comes out, starts having a slam, and he's in the ring. He's like, come on then, Ray Mysterio's music starts playing. But Ray comes from behind and does a springboard off the rope and drop kicks Kurt, and that match just starts straight away. And it's all energy. And they're just throwing, you know, Ray being Ray. Like, a lot of the WWE fans hadn't seen him. It was this totally new style that everyone was unfamiliar with. Just make, flying around Kurt, and then Kurt snatches him out of the air, makes Ray look like a bitch because he can throw him around like a child. And I, I, it's not a very long match. I, I can't. Im- I haven't checked the time, but I can't imagine it's more than 10 minutes. It's pretty no, short. No, a short but, opener. Um, I, I remember the... Um... Yeah. Just so I had the Rey Mysterio DVD, like the first one that they released. This was when I was like a big Rey Mark and stuff. And I, I couldn't understand the concept then of them doing like half kayfabe, half not interviews. So like you're following Rey around, so it all feels very real. And then he starts talking about his matches. And I remember him talking about this match. And he was like, yeah, I started flying, but then I think the nerves got to me because like Kurt turned it around. I just couldn't get. And I thought that was a legit thing for ages until I realized that, no, <laughs> that Kurt just, yeah, it was his turn in the match. So, cheers, Ray. Did you ever have... Yeah, Ray, you idiot. Um, did you ever have... Um... <laughs> uh, sorry, getting distracted again. Um, you're just thinking about wrestling DVDs. I remember you showed me the Randy Orton DVD, which I'd never seen before. And uh, Randy just, like, walking around, um, not giving a shit, basically. <laughs> for, like, for, like, two and a half hours of Randy <laughs> walking around, just, like, nonchalantly flipping off everyone and uh, John Cena runs up to him at one point yeah John Cena runs up to him at one point he's like hey Randy and obviously wants to be on the camera and like hanging out (laughs) Randy's like basically looking at him like he doesn't know him (laughs) he's like who are you and John just has to slink off to the back oh love it yeah it's just really embarrassing and awkward um but um I've lost my train of thought now um what what were we talking about before that Um, good match quick match blah 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 yeah, 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 Snappy and um, Kurt does they well. They have great chemistry um, together. Yeah, brilliant chemistry. That's why I was annoyed when um, at WrestleMania 21, 20, One. no, no, 22. Two, two. you right. Big time. Yeah Eddie, yeah, Eddie Ray opened um, WrestleMania 21 together. Um, then Eddie died and Ray won the title at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago um, and against Kurt Angle. And Randy you Orton. Just call it and, I like Randy Orton. Yeah, instead of Chicago. I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> and um, Randy Orton was involved in the match. And it was like, look at this SummerSlam opener with Kurt Angle and Ray and how good they are together. Uh, why not just do that at Mania? That would have been amazing. Yeah, but then we would have lost out on Randy being an absolute dick in that promo package, which was brilliant. Eddie ain't up in heaven. He's down there in hell. <laughs> He's in hell. Yeah, I think it was, um, was it on the Eddie Guerrero tribute show that Randy Orton, um, like, fucked up or ran someone over with Eddie's low rider or something like Around that? Around that time, yeah. Like, it was like, 
It was a, it was about a week after Eddie had died, so they they got their shit together pretty quickly. Classic WWE styling. I remember that year as well, which was weird. Um, the SmackDown vs. Raw game that was out that year had a whole storyline in it where Eddie Guerrero would get chucked into a casket and um, basically buried. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah, I do, actually. Fuck. That, that, that was, was weird, weird, isn't it? Just weird timing. And it was always Eddie that would get chucked into the casket when you did the career mode. But yeah, dark, spooky. Man, dark. But yeah, it, you're right. It's one of the best openers, and I think unexpected openers. Maybe that's why they put it on first. Like, can Kurt and Ray like hang together? And they did continue their chemistry. Um, why did you laugh? At- Sorry, I'm, I'm still thinking about Ray going. But <laughs> if I can find it on YouTube, oh, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. Whenever as soon you as say, finish. I'm just going to insert so- it in the podcast. <laughs> <It's Bum-ba-da. so funny. laughs> um, and and they had great moments of when they start doing the tag stuff together with Edge and Ray and then Kurt and Chris. Uh, it was great whenever the tags came in and you got to see little bits of Kurt and Ray go at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really, really good. Um, well, the whole you know the SmackDown Six cliche, but uh, like they could just throw any of them in tag and singles, whatever. Any of them against any of them. Always going to be good around Amen, that time. Amen, brother. Amen. Right, my number three is from 1997. 1997? Uh, oh, you get... I remember 97. Back then, we called onions onies. <laughs> well, an onion on your belt. <laughs> we were an onion on your belt, and it was acceptable to hate the Japanese. <laughs> oh, Jesse, you had to ruin it. <laughs> so SummerSlam 97 had Bret Hart versus The Undertaker this is the last Bret Hart I have in here I promise um, he was good at SummerSlam like consistently great matches at SummerSlam did our Bret have this is so I had this on VHS I stole it from Adam Baker's caravan I don't know why he owned it nice but oh the story's weird can we do a um, special if we ever like get our shit together and get a Patreon exclusive thing going or something like that we should do a Patreon exclusive episode of just Adam's caravan tales just horrendous stories that you and me can tell horrible stories that wouldn't like fly just that no one would like them (laughs) so so we probably shouldn't tell them they're horrible you know the first people that would sign up to that would be like our mothers so they had some dirt on what we actually got up to those evenings oh god we made that the expensive tier like 20 that's the twenty dollar yeah. tier. <laughs> yeah. When we tell you the illegal stuff, you have to give us serious. Yeah, boys, there's, there's prison stuff in there. Trust me. I knocked a girl out. Yep, let's go no further. Than <laughs> yeah, that, my we'll friend. leave it there. We'll leave it there. <laughs> Everyone's going to be messaging us like, "We need that Patreon now." <laughs> right. So, Bret Hart versus Undertaker um, is a great match. It's uh, Shawn Michaels' special guest referee. And if uh, Brett lost, he could never wrestle in the United States again. This was peak Brett Dick hates America phase. Um, this is when he gobs at um, Sean, isn't it? Yes. So this is the f- yeah. That's, that's the finish of the match. Wow, done. Um, Sorry, I'm jumping. Am I jumping <laughs> ahead? You're supposed to be raising the drama, aren't you? I Keep did, going. I did. And um, special guest referee Shawn Michaels. If he didn't keep it fair and level, he too would never be able to wrestle in the United States again. Which I thought would have been hilarious if he could only wrestle in Canada. <laughs> was Shawn wearing little shorts? He was. With his referee he was t-shirt. wearing better shorts than he's worn previously, but still shorts. Uh, I remember my favorite shorts, referee shorts of all time, is um, Ken Shamrock's shorts that he wore at WrestleMania 13 in the Bret Hart Stone Cold match. 
when he refereed that. Do you remember? Yes, yes. But people always talk about that match being one of the greatest mania matches of all time, which it absolutely is. But they always forget that Ken Shamrock refereed that whole match in his little um, in his little shorts. Yeah, which should have been the takeaway, in my opinion. Adds a star. Adds a star. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, Brett blindsides Taker before the bow, hits him with the bow, pulls it like he tries to get Sean to rile him up as much as possible to not call this down the middle throughout the match um, and they, they have a great little technical because this is a good half an hour match they have a good little technical wrestle as well but Brett's still trying to be a dick throughout this one of my favourite Undertaker moves that Taker does is Brett's on the apron outside Undertaker goes for a choke slam, drags his ass over the top rope into the centre of the ring then choke slams him Nice. that's impressive um, so Brett wears down Taker the tension's building between Brett and Sean um, Brett keeps trying to again get Sean to like lose his shit because he's using a sharpshooter on the ring post on Undertaker and Sean's counting to five and Undertaker kicks Brett off and Brett goes flying into Sean at this point Brett gets the chair out and hits Undertaker with it and then Sean comes to grabs the chair from him then as Jesse says Brett spits in Sean's face Sean swings for defences, Brett ducks, smacks Taker around the head, and Brett covers him, and Sean does the best free count in the history of wrestling, in my opinion. Because he <laughs> he's like, I don't want to do it, man. You're making me do it, and I don't want to do it. And he counts to three, and he gets out, and he's so mad at himself. He's let himself nice. down. I mean, he was always good at that, wasn't he? he was. Sean, always good, good at that. I'm just I'm so annoyed at myself. I have to do what's right. Right. And uh, yeah, that's when Brett wins the title, which leads to Survivor Series 97 and all of that shit. But it does. Interestingly, um, before you carry on, um, the gob that I was on about when he spits in Sean's face, um, that was removed from the Bret Hart documentary Wrestling With Shadows at Bret's request uh-huh. because he uh, wanted to make the documentary make him... Because obviously... By the time they were editing the documentary, they knew how it ended with the Montreal screw job and everything. And he was like, I want me I want to seem like a really like upstanding good guy throughout this whole documentary. Um, so it seems even worse what happened to me at the end. So can you just take out the spitting bit? So when you watch the highlights of that match through that documentary, it just looks like um it just looks like Sean hits for like swings the chair for absolutely no reason at all which is weird <laughs> yeah and it, yeah that is weird seeing as he was playing the character uh but that's a proper i do not like you gob that isn't a little oh, little God, bit yeah. of spit left on the end of my lips that's from the back of my throat to your face no. yeah he started hocking that up like at lunchtime that day <laughs> <laughs> not talking to anyone Brett, you're right <sighs> yeah give me a minute give me a minute <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Brett Undertaker I think it's the, the their best match and um, the, the highlight for Brett in that whole 97 year for me was Brett versus Undertaker and quite a good little pay-per-view uh, Pillman and Goldust open and Goldust is wearing his nice dress and stuff and they have a really good match as well lovely that would have been um, Pillman's last um, last pay-per-view appearance yeah probably yeah I think you're right. He died. He died the the night before Bad Blood happened, didn't he? Yes. Um, which was the Taker, uh, the debut of Kane and the Taker, Sean, Helen, the Cell. Um, does that sound right to you? I think no, so. No, you're right because that. I remember it really weird that they kind of found out that day that it happened. Yeah, 
Well, they were up. They were like updating us throughout the show, like the commentary team, Vince on commentary and stuff, were like giving us news as it was coming in, as the show was happening. And then you end up having um, like one of the best matches of all time with Sean and Taker in the Hell in the Cell. This era as well, like I was going to say, um, 90, 97 is when Taker really started to hit his stride, isn't it? He yeah. debuted in 90 and he was just hired because he was a big man. He wasn't a good wrestler. And it took him seven years, but around 97 is when he really started to have good matches and really started to get it. Do you know what I mean? And became just one of the greatest big men of all time. Hundred percent, yeah. The ninety-seven taker is definitely my favourite taker. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you actually. Although we do have a soft spot for the American badass, don't we? We do, but we try not to say that out in public. <laughs> <laughs> do like him, big evil. Um, in it's his yard, and you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay. Um, that was a hanging song, wasn't it? It was. Um, I suppose you are going to pay if it's his yard. Just pay him rent. Um, well, it's my turn, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> I started. I was just gazing wistfully out the window when I was saying that. <laughs> um, uh, number two, would you believe? Um, I didn't realise until now. Three of my matches feature Brock Lesnar. Oh, How about that? Another Brock Lesnar match. I know what's going on. We're talking about thirty um, years of, re- of SummerSlam. I know. I hate but you right wait. now. The listeners hey, hate you. No, but wait till the match. Um, it is Brock Lesnar against Kurt Angle from SummerSlam 2003. Right. Do you remember this? I'll give you that one. That's a great match. Fantastic match. Um, it's Vince McMahon's birthday on this day. Um, and um, the sky was blue. <laughs> St. Anger <laughs> was um, playing on all of our radios. And... Uh, it's just a really good match. It's a rematch from WrestleMania. Fantastic WrestleMania match when um, Lesnar landed on his head from the shooting star press. Um, this is reversed. So Kurt has turned face and Brock has turned heel since then. Uh, rematch for it. Kurt is defending the WWE title, having won it um, at Vengeance the month before in one of your favourite pay-per-views of all time that we talked about last show. Um, and it's just great this is the first time Lesnar had been like properly monster heel in his career and he just plays it so well there's one spot do you remember the spot when Lesnar belly to bellies angle but Lesnar doesn't leave his feet he's just standing there and throws angle over his head basically how the hell do you do that (laughs) you be Brock Lesnar it's ridiculous. And you beat Kurt Angle to an extent as well, because Kurt had to do one hell of a jump. That's true. To basically front flip over a six foot two man or whatever Brock Lesnar is. And it's, yeah, it's insane. It's a great match. Vince McMahon gets involved, which is actually kind of fun, because Vince was like maniacal. Um, oh, with the chair. Corporate heel yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the ref gets knocked out. Kurt's making Brock tap with the ref knocked out. And it's like, oh, well, we can see how this is going to go then because so the rest missed that and then Brock's going to win but it doesn't happen Kurt manages to win and uh, makes um, Vince look like a bitch and um, makes Brock tap Brock sells Kurt fantastically just, oh, it's just really screen. really I love the lesson yeah. whenever he's in the ankle lock because it was it was an F5 right he counted the F5 leg yeah, trip yeah, into yeah. the ankle lock oh that's another bit so after uh, Kurt Angle had, had, the, had been putting the ankle lock on Lesnar so much, Lesnar was selling his leg like so intensely 
at one point he gives Angle a one-legged F5. Mm. He's like hopping on one leg yes. because he's selling the leg and F5's Kurt dumps him straight on his fucking head. But like Kurt's used to that, so it's fine. <laughs> and He welcomes it. Like, straight, straight on the neck. And but it just looks amazing. Just little things like that make wrestling matches for me. Like little selling like that. And as you said, the way there's the screams and just sells the realism of it so well. And Kurt looks great in this match. Uh, Vince McMahon's wearing a ridiculous Hawaiian shirt or something. Oh, yeah. I have no it's idea like why he comes white... out wearing that. It's his birthday. He can do what he wants. That's true. Yeah, dress down birthday day. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, ridiculous. Do you remember the extras of this um, SummerSlam DVD as well? At the end of the match, Triple H comes out covered in blood on the mic, and he's like, "Hey, it's Vince's birthday," and all the wrestlers are out, oh, and yeah, everyone yeah. comes out, and, he hates and like, it. Has a, or Stone Cold, yeah. And uh, I think they they end up trying to make Undertaker sing happy birthday on the mic and he refuses to do it or something. Yeah, it goes on but for a while. It does go on for a long time. This is funny seeing Triple H like laughing away with everyone covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, good, good. I kind of forgot about this one because you always think of the, the WrestleMania one and the stuff they did on SmackDown, but it is a really good match. Really good match. Uh, around this era was just great. Brock Lesnar and Kurt, and this led to their um, 60-minute Ironman match on SmackDown. That wouldn't have been long after this. No. Which, which is one of my favourite matches of all time. It's just a stunning match. It's really, really good. And um, based on the fact that you didn't really say anything when I was talking about that overhead belly-to-belly when Brock's just standing, I assume you don't really remember it? Not clearly. Go and watch it, man. It's And just think about it. Just watch it and think about the physical logistics of that happening. Okay. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, how did they do that? And it's one of the, it's so casually done that even the crowd don't react that much. But just just watching it, thinking that's two humans that just did that, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I'll always say when Jesse mentions a Brock Lesnar match before his return, um, if you're familiar with Brock now, but you didn't watch him back then, if we say a match about Brock back then, go back and watch it, because it just proves how great Brock was. Um, completely different wrestler it could be a different wrestler yeah because uh, i know he did like the whole selling leg f5 um when he faced aj which was really good and i will always just like love brock for doing the whole if a body part is injured it will stay injured uh it's not like i was watching a certain takeover and someone had their leg worked all match but then they got their second win and their adrenaline and suddenly their knee doesn't hurt anymore it's yeah like, yeah i'm, I'm sorry like, but I hate that. yeah there's so much you can like put away, but like second win in adrenaline doesn't stop someone wrapping your leg around a ring post for f- 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. It's, it's part of the art to me is remembering to sell and things like that, you know? Unless you're. What, what did Kenny Omega do that time when he had his leg? <laughs> oh, this is when he won the Intercontinental title from Tanahashi um, at. Um, I think it was a new beginning. Um. Yeah, that's so because, funny. So at the end, he starts singing Katy Perry, Teenage Dream. Um, then the confetti goes off and, it, you know, he's won the title and he leaves. And then he sees the confetti and Kenny Omega's not happy about the confetti going off because he's the cleaner. So it's like, oh, the ring's covered in shit now. So I've got to go back in and um, broom it all up. So he has to go back in. And it's not until he's halfway through sweeping, he suddenly remembers... Um, that his leg had been worked on the whole match by Tanahashi, so he just, ah, just falls over. <laughs> Grabs his leg in pain. Yeah. <laughs> like 10 minutes later, after doing a big promo and sweeping. I always, I always find that so funny, the way the confetti goes off and it's like this amazing moment, but the way Kenny looks back, he's just livid <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's the cleaner. 
I missed that. I missed that. I wish that like when him and Abushi got back together and they did the the cannon, the golden lovers confetti, he just grabbed the broom, but then got yeah. like a love heart broom for Abushi, and then was like, <laughs> "Help me clean." That would have been lovely. It would have been. All right, my number two comes from the turn of the millennium. SummerSlam 2000, the very first tables, ladders, and chairs match. Oh, okay, nice. Um, everyone always talks about WrestleMania 17 because, as they should, it was good. This match is equally as good as that one. Like, they didn't really pussyfoot around in the first one and then suddenly did crazy shit in the second one. This match is mental. Uh, the Dudleys, start, like, within the first two minutes, there's a bubble bomb from the top of the ladder. They're doing what's up from the top of the ladder. There's 3Ds, there's Twist of Fates, there's Ladder Leapfrogs. You know, within the first five minutes. Um, m- the spot Matt does, so Matt's on one of the giant ladders, one of those, n- not the Shawn Michaels, I'm going to kill Vince McMahon big, but the next step down. And he's going for the titles, and someone lifts up the ladder, and he just does a backdrop from the top of the ladder outside through a table. No wonder nice. he walks like he's got a stick up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lita comes down. Lita comes down to try and like help Matt and stuff and stop people. Um, ironically, in a twist of fate, no pun intended, Edge ends up spearing Lita to um, as she tries to help Matt, and Lita's head smacks off a ladder that's lying on the floor. And it's- he does that. He does that at WrestleMania 17 as well. Yeah. Peter eats a spear from Edge. But That's all she eats. Wait. Her head hits hard on that ladder. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cussed. And uh, the, the best... Now that I've watched the table for free, near the end of the match, Jeff and Devon are hanging on to the, to the titles. And they remove the ladder, so the two of them are swinging, um, holding on to the titles above the ring. Devon is deathly afraid of heights. <laughs> and Jeff is kicking him and I noticed it when I was watching it back earlier so Jeff is kicking him to try and get him off the bout and you can hear, you can see the fear in Devon's eyes and him screaming Jeff, stop it, stop it it's not funny, stop it <laughs> and he drops and the landing he makes is the most ungraceful thing I've ever seen in my life and I've always thought that the spear from Edge, obviously an iconic moment but Christian Edge just hurl a ladder at Jeff, just toss a ladder at him, and he just collapses to the floor from the <laughs> from the ring belt. The wrist that Jeff took is... I don't get how that might... Well, we spoke about it before, haven't we, that he just has that drunk driver syndrome. Yes. And that's yeah, how he yeah, survives yeah. He, all so this he just stuff. Go, he goes floppy. So a sober person um, would um, tense up when an accident's about to happen. Um, and that's why they tend to die in car accidents and stuff. Drunk people just go limp because they're not like their reactions aren't quick enough to expect it. So that's so what Jeff does. And that's why he's still alive because he's constantly wasted. Yeah, exactly. And so this is SummerSlam 2000, you know, ladder matches were kind of a thing, but it, it really wasn't that common to have that. Like the Hardys and Edge and Christian and Dudleys, they, they were starting to make this known, but this is the first time people had ever seen tables, lads and chairs combined in one go. And just the fact that they don't take it easy, they do all the crazy shit that you you know them to do, uh, with no regard for their health whatsoever, just makes it such a great match. Um, I feel like because I've watched the WrestleMania 17 match so many times, watching this made me even go, do I like this one better? 
Maybe because I haven't seen it enough, but just... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, it hasn't got the same familiarity as it as the um, WrestleMania one. Yeah, the 17 one I could pretty much call spot for spot at this point, but the, yeah. the SummerSlam one is just such a breath of fresh air of just, why are you doing that to yourselves? <laughs> it's ridiculous. And Bubba... How all six of these guys are still alive and in relatively good health, Yeah, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, and... Bubba doesn't hold many punches in a normal wrestling match. You give him a table or a chair, and he really doesn't. Yeah. Like, he, the amount of times he brained people and just threw stuff <laughs> on them. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Chill out. I love that. I love that phrase, brain brained someone. someone. <laughs> um, and it became one of the most famous matches, and they'd eventually ruin it with pay-per-views dedicated to it. But at the time, and it still holds up as one of the best TLC matches ever. Absolutely does. Um, excuse me, I'm going to have a drink. Cool. What are you drinking? Tell me why you're drinking. <sighs> it's um, it's peach and orange squash. I think oh. it's nothing too, nothing too crazy, but it tastes nice. I'm on the old apple and black currant. Very good. Um, Robinsons. Oh yeah, ain't yeah, ain't no cheap nah. bitch. Nice. Robinsons high five. Robinsons high five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, cool. We are my number one, and it looks like we might not have had a crossover We're not unless gonna, your number you, one is my number one. Not. Okay. <laughs> no, you're very confident. Um, this is Brock Lesnar. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> this is um, from SummerSlam 2002. It is Triple H against the returning Shawn Michaels. I knew this would be yours. Did you? Did you? It. Could could you have predicted that? Ah, Shawn Michaels, one of my favourites of all time. We just said Brett and Shawn very much sums up our wrestling fandom and our generation. Um, it's uh, just the idea of Shawn coming just back. Just take a break, Jeff. Take a breath. You're Sorry, a bit excited. Just... So Shawn was out for four years, as we all know. Um, never thought he'd wrestle again. Wanted to wrestle one more. He was like, I feel okay. I think I can wrestle again. Um, my um, Didn't go to the doctor. Just said, I think my back feels all right. And um, I want my son to see me wrestle because um, my son wasn't old enough when I was wrestling before, or wasn't even alive. I don't know. And um, when okay, I'll do this with um, I'll do this with trips. And they end up having about a forty odd minute street fight. And looking back, the reason that it was a street fight is they were like, oh, okay, well we can, you know, I'm going to be rusty, and I can use weapons to sort of hide um hide what i can't do in the ring anymore turns out they didn't need that it would have almost been better if it was just a straight singles match and they still and they could have done the sledgehammer spot when the match finished anyway uh but it's just sean had not missed a beat like he just starts and it's like oh my god is he even better than he was four years ago how does that even work yeah and I think he looked, he always says that he wasn't in shape when he came back either, but I think he looked fine. I think he looked good. Um, maybe a little bit skinny. Um, he had the, um, the Psalm or whatever it was, Bible quote on his vest, um, wrestled in. Yeah. Had the, came out with the arseless chaps over his jeans, which was a bit odd, but the spots they did in this match, um, even the weapon spots, which I said, it could have not been a street fight, but, um, the weapon spots they did were great anyway. Um, I think Triple H did a fantastic job in this match as well. Um, he looked after Sean when Sean needed to be looked after. Not that he needed that much looking after. It was just a really unexpected classic. It's like everyone was hyped for the match, but only because, oh, Sean gets one more. That's cool. We'll have this one off. They weren't expecting to see, like, match of the year. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, 
it's crazy that Sean wrestled like that after not doing it for four years. You know what I don't get with the whole... What don't you get, Max? He wanted to come back and do it like one more time for his son to show him what he did. Just imagine him coming back through the curtain drenched in blood. This is what I do, son. <laughs> you know, carted off. Because like, he gets hit in the back with a sledgehammer kayfabe and he gets put on a gurney, whatever it is, and wheeled out. Does that... yeah. Daddy, <laughs> is daddy okay? <laughs> That's the same with um, same with SummerSlam last week, isn't it? When AJ Styles and Samoa Joe had their match, and Joe uh, after the match, Styles was supposed to go up to his wife and daughter and sort of give them a cuddle, and but he'd accidentally busted himself. So he's like trying to go. His daughter's terrified. Yeah, so Daddy, of, you're of bleeding. Him. Daddy, you're bleeding. It just looks like doesn't want to be held by the bloody father at all. Yeah. So I didn't but, understand um, anyway. that aspect at all, but it was it was nice that he came back and the build up. I'll vividly remember the whole build up to that storyline with like Sean getting attacked in the parking lot and the DX reunion that turned and it's just a it was a great build. It was great because people really wanted that DX reunion as well, didn't they? Oh god, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, Triple H just turned it, and uh, yeah, people hated him for that. The sledgehammer shots at the end of this SummerSlam match is the, I think, the only time I've ever seen Triple H do cool-looking sledgehammer shots. Because normally he'll do it where he's like holding, he's holding the sledgehammer and he's got his hand over the end of the sledgehammer, yes. and he'll just hit you like that, and that looks shit. But this one, he legitimately had it like you would if you wanted to kill someone with a sledgehammer, but and hit Sean in the back with it like he was hitting a fence post into the fucking grass or whatever. Yeah. And, like, that's awesome. And it's the only time I've ever seen Triple H do that, and it looks so good. You know the other person who, who's done that is when Ric Flair joins Triple H, it's Unforgiven 2002. Um, oh, it's yeah. Triple H versus RVD, and uh, Ric Flair comes down with the sledgehammer. He swings it into RVD's gut. Like, swings oh, really? it into it. <laughs> it's just... Like, he probably didn't connect, but, like, RVD being RVD sold it like death. And it yeah. makes you <laughs> Like, in three flips. Yeah, just, he just swings it into it. I was like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want to see. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that... that it, it, there must something bad must have happened for Triple H to modify his sledgehammer technique to the rubbish one that we saw after that. Maybe it was... Maybe it was that. Maybe it was RVD. Maybe he might, legitimately might have been Sean. destroyed yeah, it. might have been Sean, but, like, dude literally just <laughs> dude i got screws in my back man <laughs> chill chill my god 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 can only do so much <laughs> but yeah it was it was a great return and we mentioned this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that we always thought that sean went away in 97 and we didn't see him until 2002 and that is not the case in the slightest he was there no, the a case, year he, ago he was all over the place yeah he was there yeah. for the nwo reunion back not a couple of months before that yeah, too late. I was so desperate for um, Sean to be the third man back in 96 in WCW. That would have been so cool. But and I sort of half got my wish of Shawn Michaels in the NWO, but in a really lame way. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you got the WWE but, version. But this match, you're yeah. right, the spots they did, the the shit they put each other through. As as I mentioned on, on Steve's podcast with like Gagano and Champa, whenever you're wrestling your best friend, you're going to hurt them a lot more than you would anyone else. Yeah, you can get away with it. We used to do it, didn't we? When we'd have our five star classics on the bouncy castle. Oh god, castle. yeah! If you and me stepped yeah. in, stepped in that ring together, we'd hurt each other. You and me, exactly. We knew that we could do it. We knew that we could hit each other hard because we both respect the business. Well, you know, you trust a person. Like, I, I would, <laughs> yeah, I, I would trust you not I, to cripple me intentionally. <laughs> yeah, so so you'd forgive like a slightly harder than normal 
smack in the face or something. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I, I think like it works, and it, it really was a great match. And luckily, it wasn't the last we saw of Sean. He went, he got the wrestling bug back. He did, and a Dutch boy haircut. And a Dutch boy haircut, which led to Survivor Series. And shit brown tights. Which you're never going to forgive him for, are you? No, it eclipses his title win for me. His last ever title win, and you're just like, no. No, you looked horrible. Isn't that amazing that he got his last title run in 2002, but was still relevant throughout his next six, seven years? Yeah, he felt like a massive... He still felt like a main eventer in the title picture up until, like, 2010 when he retired. Yeah, like, he could challenge... I think I remember him challenging, like, 2008 against John Cena. It still was always... Sean could win this, even though he hadn't won in six years. That great match when he couldn't, when he wasn't allowed to use the sweet chip music against Randy Orton at Survivor Series. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was a great time. He was in like whoever became the champion. Sean was the next challenger. It was like you fought Kane afterwards, so you could prove yourself as champion for some reason. <laughs> everyone fights Kane. That was a trend. Yeah, everyone always fights. And then yeah, you yeah. moved on to Shawn Michaels, and then either Edge or Undertaker would take it off you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Um, we. Uh, Another good one, underrated match actually, which I'm sure we'll cover one day. Um, I've only ever seen it because of um, a Shawn Michaels DVD I've got called My Journey. You know that one where they're just showing matches and Michael Cole's interviewing him between each oh, match, yeah. and he says, "You know what I mean." He says it like every two seconds um, you know what I mean. while he's yeah. talking. You know what I mean? And he's wearing a ridiculous camouflage beanie. But um, it's uh, it's a backlash match, and it's a fatal four way: Randy Orton, John Cena, Edge, and Shawn Michaels. Backlash 2007, mm. possibly. And it's really good. It's a really, really good Fatal 4-Way match. And it ends with Shawn Michaels. Um, so Cena's defending the title. Um, Shawn Michaels, switching Music, Cena. And fortuitously, John Cena falls onto Randy Orton or Edge. I can't remember. Oh, to I get remember the one, two, three. Man. Yes. Yeah. Because everyone was livid. Yeah. So it was Shawn's match to win, really. And um, yeah, it was really well put together match. And um, that's worth watching anyone who wants to. Yeah, I'll go back and watch that one. Because I remember the finish now that you mentioned it, but I don't remember the match. Yeah, really good. And uh, I mean, all four of them do a good job. But it's just another example of Shawn. You know, Shawn's like of a completely different generation than those three. But um, he's not out of place at all. You know, he's just as good, just as quick, just as talented as... All of them. Like, doesn't miss a beat. It's amazing. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Good number one. I'm glad it wasn't Brock Lesnar. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, three matches. I didn't realise Brock was in three of my matches until I started talking just now. And it was like, wow, I didn't realise. But um, t- it turns out that there might actually have been some it to Brock Lesnar. Um, and there's a reason why he was a wrestler. Yeah. Beastie Boy. You're a fan of the Beastie Boy. Beastie Boy. I said. Uh, so my number one comes from SummerSlam 2008. Semi recent, eight ten years ago. Yeah, that's uh, certainly recent to me when I think of wrestling fandom. Yeah. Uh, Helena Sow, Edge versus Undertaker. Ah, God, I haven't watched this for a long it time. It is probably the best Helena Sow match in my opinion. I love this match. Why it's my number one? Um, yeah, Edge was at his probably my most favorite peak of his heel character. This was crazy psychotic edge where he was even to the point of like Vicky Grail was in a wheelchair for so I don't remember why and he'd like <laughs> grab it and tease tipping her over and then just tip her over and then <laughs> he was brilliant tease tipping her over and then, then tip, tip her, her over, over. 
<laughs> and he like drags her out of the ring and makes her sit on the floor outside. I always remember him like he he was clearly influenced by the Joker in Dark Knight, but he makes her like lie on the floor outside as they watch like the video package, and he's like licking his lips, and he's just fucking mental. It's brilliant. <laughs> and the build-up to this is great as well, because so Undertaker had been defeated by Edge, so he was gone from WE. And then Edge ends up spearing Vicky, so she reinstates the Undertaker. He was gone for, like, all of two months at this point, so he had a nice holiday. So nice. she's like, I'm reinstating the Undertaker, and you're going to face him at Hell in a Cell. And he's like, oh my god, that's crazy. Um... <laughs> And Mick Foley comes out and talks to Edge, and he's like, you've got to get in the right frame of mind for this. You know, you've, you're going into hell with The Undertaker. And Edge beats the shit out of Mick Foley. Do you remember when um, uh, when we had the women's Hell in a Cell match between Charlotte and Sasha Banks, and um, Mick Foley came out and did a similar thing? And kept talking about how horrendous yes. Hell in a Cell is. And he was bringing in Eddie as well, talking to Sasha Banks. And like, Eddie wouldn't want you to do this. And Mick just likes to get involved. He does. It It didn't work on the same level because, yeah, it's just beat the shit out of him. Put him on a table and then from the top of a ladder was like, I understand, and then drove the chair through him. Brilliant. Um, The thing I like about this match is because, you know, when people get put in Hell in a Cell matches with The Undertaker or they get put in Hell in a Cell matches in general, the challenger for The Undertaker is always scared and they're looking up at the cell like, oh, God, what is... Like, they've never seen it before in their lives and they're not a trained professional wrestler. Edge comes out, (laughs) loving it. He's excited to get in there. He wants to fight Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Uh, even at one point, which I noticed when I was re-watching this, he looks like a crack addict. He starts like licking his teeth and rubbing his nose and snorting violently. So nice. he's a proper crackhead on this one. Um, and yeah, Undertaker comes down and Edge just starts beating the shit out of him because he's like, I'm not scared. I, and fair play to Taz and JR. Great commentary team, by the way. They... Taz and JR, I don't feel like we ever got much of them. No, it was kind of that time period when they were doing the the draft stuff of splitting people up. So it was Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, which was like poison in the ear hole. And then you had (laughs) Taz and JR, which was really entertaining. And they worked really well together. Um, So they just start going back and forth, back and forth. And then Edge starts getting out all these weapons. And they're just going at it with weapons. And I always forget where they're not allowed to use head chair, ch- uh, chair shots to the head. Um, and I'm always surprised, even as late as 2008, I'm still seeing people get brained in the head with a chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, it's crazy, isn't it? It took them a while to catch on. Yeah, I, I can't even remember when. Like, it, it must have been about, like, 2010? Two, must, no, 2009. I don't know. No idea. I think it was too, I think it was towards the end of 2009 because I remember the first pay-per-view certainly the first pay-per-view when they brought in the no blood rule so I can only imagine that this was around the same sort of yeah. time was um TLC 2009 because I remember watching it with Rob um and maybe were you there I can't remember uh, it was when I lived with Rob and Alex and um, we were watching TLC 09 the opening match was Shelton Benjamin against Christian in a ladder match for the Intercontinental title and at one point, Christian accidentally busts himself open. And they, because this is the first time it's happened, so they're like, oh shit, so we have to stop the match and the ref's going to come out and we're not going to carry on the match until he stops bleeding. And Sean's just like standing in the ring waiting for Christian to be dealt with. And it's really awkward and strange. And it's like, why don't you just run up the ladder right and there. yeah, grab the title? You're completely taking me out of the match now. And yeah, it was stupid. But I remember us discussing at the time saying, um, oh, this is because of this stupid no-blood rule that they brought in, no-violence rule. 
um, that's brand new. So it must have been around the end of yeah. 2009. Here's what that long-winded <laughs> it's story. A nice story. Had. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> uh, back to the Hell in a Cell. Um, Edge then does a spot with a bit of uh, cool back to what he did to Foley. He climbs. He puts Undertaker on a table, climbs up a ladder, says "I understand," and then drops the chair onto him, breaking it through. And again, commentary on point, being like, "That's exactly what he said to Foley," and it's great. And Edge even spears Undertaker through the cell wall. It was like a WE game. They escaped the cell by spearing out of a corner. Um, and the crowd were just into this match. Because it was, you know, it's what Hell in a Cell should be. Not wrestling matches where you can't really see what's going on. It's using everything to your availability. And Edge does a great running across the announce tables and spearing Undertaker through the third one. Love that spot. It's yeah. great. And um, the stuff they do to each other in any other match would just finish a normal match. Edge gets chokeslammed off the top rope through two tables. It was like, you know when we play like the wrestling games and stuff, and you just do unbearable stuff to each other, hit like 60 finishes, and you still kick out. That's what yes. happens. I remember um, playing Here Comes the Pain with you once and throwing you off the top of um, Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> and you still kicked out. <laughs> I can't be beat, man. Uh, and they, uh, yeah, and then Undertaker just starts doing horrendous stuff to Edge, and then eventually tombstones him and wins. And the most iconic moment of this match is at the end when Undertaker's leaving. He looks on a monitor and he sees Edge twitch, and he goes back and he's like, "Nope, yeah. you need to die. Death for you today." <laughs> so he goes back in the ring, sets up two ladders, drags Edge up onto one of them, and then choke slams him through the ring. And then summons fire from the depths of hell. But I still don't understand how the ring doesn't catch on fire and everyone dies. I don't, yeah, I don't understand either. I mean, well, it's lucky that, I mean, Taker's there and as a demonic person, he's got control over it. So I don't know what I'm you're worried about. I can control fire. I forget. I forget. Um, but of course yeah, he can. You, if you've seen his brother, <laughs> runs in the family. You just accepted that he just summons flames and choke slams Edge into hell. I love that about The Undertaker. It's weird, isn't it? 2008, I went, yep, he's in hell. Yeah, but it's like the um, around, what was it, WrestleMania 15, 16, 15, uh, 14, no, 14, (laughs) WrestleMania 14, Shawn Michaels' last match before he came back in 2002 uh, was losing Stone Cold, it was like Stone Cold's coronation. And that's the same, um, that's the same WrestleMania, I really like that WrestleMania, but it's the same WrestleMania where Kane and Undertaker fight and so it's really weird because you've had this Mike Tyson storyline with um, Stone Cold and DX and Shawn Michaels, and it's got this cool feel to it. But they've also been running this supernatural storyline of Kane and Undertaker doing magic on each other for months. <laughs> doing magic. Um, at the same time. Yeah. Is this your and car? this is really weird. <laughs> but they just, but, um, but it, for some reason, those two things just ran completely parallel in harmony together. It's a weird world, is our wrestling world. But yeah, uh, yeah. Edge and Undertaker <laughs> SummerSlam 2008 definitely worth a check out. Uh, your picture of magic tricks. Now. I've just got, I, yeah, I've just got this image of Kane just like holding up a card that was Taker's card, and Taker's like, "God oh, damn it!" It's <laughs> really angry that Kane got it right. <laughs> Kane's got his voice box. Is this your card? Mini, mini, mini. <laughs> Ace of clubs. Oh, so those were our top five SummerSlam <laughs> matches of the past thirty years. You probably disagreed with most of them, but let's find out, shall we, Jesse? Let's find out if people disagreed with us by going to the God Till 5 Milky Way universe. 
and seeing what people said. So, what did they say? I've completely fallen. Do you remember when this was my job to speak to people and get their yeah. thoughts? And that just doesn't happen anymore, does it? I don't do anything. <laughs> I've literally <laughs> taken everything off of you. You don't even tweet funny stuff anymore. They're relying know, on me for I comedy, should, and that's I? not a good thing. That's terrible. I I will. I'll um, I'll get back on that. I'll start tweeting funny stuff. Sorry, I've been so lax today. I'll forgive. Uh, Chris Harris uh, agrees with you that Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio is his favourite match. And then yeah. Big Lip Radio agrees that SummerSlam 91. Uh, what? That's that, Who are Big that's, Lip Radio? That's their handle, Jesse. I don't make the handles. Big Lip yeah. Radio? Give him a little plug there. Disgusting. Uh, so they say SummerSlam 91, Brett versus Mr. Perfect. Uh, on to the other ones. Ooh, someone wrote a fucking list. Okay. I'm... There's always one. one. With no reasons given. I'm Bafori. John Cena versus AJ Styles, 2016, was in my reserves. Uh, John Cena versus Daniel Bryan, 2013, was also in my reserves. Uh, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. I've spoken about that match before in good intercontinental matches. And Bret Hart versus British Bulldog, 92, of course. The crack incident. British... Oh, God! I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, when Brett was on, uh, not Brett. Um, yeah, um, Davy Boy. Yeah, when but Davy Boy Smith was on. Thank you. I was <laughs> floundering then. When um, Davy Boy Smith was high on crack, and uh, we'd completely forgotten the very carefully rehearsed match that um, that him and Brett mm-hmm. had worked out, and whispered just before they start the match, like in the ring in Wembley. Um, Davy Boy leads into Brett and just goes, "I'm fucked." <laughs> 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 Love it. And uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, which people often regard as the best SummerSlam match of all time. The um, the cage match that they had at 94. Oh, God, yeah. Again, that's another one that's eclipsed by... Um, there's a lot of good SummerSlam matches that you forget because the same style matches happened at WrestleManias. And a lot of the times, the SummerSlam ones can be better. Like this, like um, Owen and Brett at WrestleMania, everyone talks about that. That was that was another yeah, very SummerSlam good. match was better. Um, they mentioned uh, so, Razor and Shawn Michaels. Their ladder match at SummerSlam was better. Yeah, Kurt and Brock on my list. You said that you'd sort of forgotten all about that, but you always think about the WrestleMania yeah, yeah, match. Exactly. Um, oh, this is a good one. Um, Amadee's stupid name. Brock versus Roman versus Braun versus Joe. Do you remember that one? The four way oh, big yeah, man match. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing wrong with that match is it was at the end of such a long show. So I remember feeling burnt yes. out. There's a reason why all of our favourite matches are on shows that are about three hours long well, tops. When I know? was rewatching SummerSlams, a lot of them, 10 match cards, same as they are now, uh, two hours, 40 minutes was the longest one I found. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, perfect great. then. Uh, someone agreed with you, Dan Ram, that Shawn Michaels return match. Uh, do, 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 yeah. Do. How 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 have we not mentioned Michaels versus Hogan? Oh God, yeah, that didn't even enter my mind. That's uh, that's another long match. I mean, it's silly, obviously, and fun, but um, that match goes on for a, at least half an hour. I think that felt like yeah, a really long it's, match. It's the greatest wrestling match of all time. It's just short, Sean being a, such a dickhead, <laughs> but it's great. But so well deserved. So well deserved. <laughs> And in the and in the build up to that match on one of the the Raw in Canada, um, Shawn Michaels, one of my favourite Shawn Michaels promos of all time, the "Who's Your Daddy Montreal," oh, yes, which we use in our, in our top five intro. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that whole promo is just yeah, amazing. I, I missed heel Shawn so much. 
Um, surprisingly, yeah. a lot of people are agreeing with us. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, says Charlie, uh, Edge and Taker, HBK, Triple H, Straight Fight. Um, yeah, AJ Cena is one I, I really wanted to fit in, and same for Cena, Daniel Bryan. Cena, Daniel Bryan is an absolutely brilliant match. That's a great match. And you know what else is good about that match? Triple H does an amazing job yeah. as referee. Like, you, you don't even notice him there after a while. He just slips into the background like any other referee he does a really really good job and the the finish as well with randy orton coming out and triple h turning heel um it's just great like really really good storytelling yeah, um and it's so heartbreaking for daniel bryan to have it all taken away and we've got a little troll who says uh and i've just looked this up this did happen at SummerSlam. alicia fox versus melina stone cold nice. is rolling uh, in his which grave. is <laughs> he's not dead Stone Cold I can't imagine Stone Cold being dead that's going to be sad when that happens you've depressed yeah. me now he'll, he'll, he'll stun stun that Grim Reaper and kick out at two and a half yeah exactly. I reckon so Austin um, vs Angle 2001 I don't remember that match oh I remember that I think it ends in a DQ yeah that was a good match that was a good match um, that was heel Stone Cold against um a babyface Kurt Angle, which is weird, but this person yeah, was good. terrible, like really good taste and really terrible taste. So they say Brock versus Punk, which we've agreed is a good match. Cena versus Brian, good match. Triple H versus HBK, yeah. good match. Diva been in our list, yeah. and then they said 2003 Elimination Chamber, and then DX versus the McMahon. Oh. oh God, and um, DX versus the McMahon's. I can't even remember, so I can't really comment on, but. Um... That elimination chamber is the most poorly booked use of the biggest star you had at the time. The, the amount they could have done with Goldberg and that finish of that is... The only good thing about that is when Ric Flair slides the sledgehammer to Triple H, he slides it perfectly. Like, it just slides <laughs> in a perfect straight line and goes across the ring straight into Triple H's hands. That's a good bit. But other than that, like he should have got the sledgehammer, and Goldberg should have still Steven, won. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that to Goldberg mm. at that point? And we'll end up ruins the we'll whole end thing. on a higher match. I forgot about Cena versus Rollins when, Cena when Rollins oh, yeah. came out as White um, Jesus. That, I did, yeah, CrossFit Jesus. I um, he looked like the White Power Ranger, did. didn't he? I quite like the gold trim on it. Um, the only thing I don't like about that match is John Stewart. Oh yeah, I forgot that's the finish. Yeah, completely ruins the finish and um, makes the ruins the whole match for me. Um, that that they finish. showed him at SummerSlam 2018. And I messaged you that I got really nervous. Yeah, and I said to you, all I know him as is um, the real life, the real dad of Frankenstein in the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy. That's, That's... all I recognise John Stewart as. Why is the guy from Big Daddy getting in the ring? I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> Why does everyone know him? That's all him. That's all he'll ever be to me. Where's Frankenstein? He must be old enough to fight now. Uh, so thank you everyone for sending in your matches. We, Yeah, you haven't really disagreed with us on a majority of them, so that's good. There won't be any Twitter backlash. Hooray! That's good. We're starting to get... So people who listen to us are starting to um, have the same taste as us. This is quite Yeah, everyone stopped being all smarky. Except for whenever we talk about anything like Japanese or people who work on the indies, then, then I just get pissed off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bastards. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. Have you noticed I'm trying to be nicer? To you really are. Because I, I feel like um, I've sort of been so abusive to them in the past that I've decided to try and rein that in. It's my post SummerSlam um, resolution. You really are just an abusive relationship with our listeners where, like, you're treating me and then I'm going to change, baby. I'm going to change. 
I know, yeah, it's I'm a good couple of months. Week, like, you fuckers! <laughs> so um, that is our SummerSlam matches, our top five SummerSlam matches, done for another year. We are one beautiful. episode away from our year anniversary episode. So we're oh, going to do one, and so, then the one after that's the year anniversary. Oh, let's have a party. We're going to have a party. There ain't no party like a Skype party. Whoop, whoop. Stuff's going to get that's gonna weird. Be, that's going to be lovely. I can't believe it's been a year already. I know, right? That's mad. Mind you, when you think it, in some ways it feels like quick, but in other ways it feels like when you think of when we started and like what we, the quality of when we started, I can't imagine going back and listening to our first episode. I bet it's horrendous. No, yeah. The, I think we were both recording through our laptop speaker microphones. Yeah, just, and, oh, horrendous. Horrendous. I, yeah, I, I don't even want to think about it. But yeah, <laughs> in, in just a short, in just a short year, we've become the, awesome pros that you're all listening to now you're welcome everyone but thank you for and thank you thank you everyone else because for making this year amazing and um listening because it would be stupid if it was just us two talking to each other oh, like yeah. it has been yeah <laughs> like well like like it has been for so many years before it was just never recorded that's true but it's we're gonna it's we're gonna so shower nice. you guys with thanks when we get to the year anniversary episode so uh oh god yeah um enjoy that that's gonna be a big ego boost for you all yeah, all the cold months of jesse's harshness will pay off <laughs> well, depending the movies, then we'll see. I'm trying. I'm trying to warm up now. I'm. I'm trying to. As of this moment, I'm going to warm up to everyone. I love it. So, thank you for listening to this episode, and for all our other episodes. Thank you, everyone, who sent in suggestions for their favourite SummerSlam matches. We always like hearing what you have to say as well. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time with a topic that we don't know yet. And check us out everywhere at Got Till Five. Got Till Five dot com and uh, yeah, Twitter. Don't email us. We have got an email, but it's a pain to keep on top of. Yeah. Just tweet like normal people. Um, and leave reviews uh, yeah, and shit, because they've kind of stopped yeah, recently. I, yeah, I, iTunes reviews and that. I think, to be fair, we haven't really been pushing it. No. But yeah, please please go and just give us five stars and review. Just write something. Even if you hate it. like You can write how much you hate it. Just give it five stars as well. That's fine. <laughs> and um, it helps a lot and we're on spotify now so follow us on spotify if that's your thing because uh, I, by the sounds of it talking to other people it's not actually easy to get on spotify i didn't know this and but but we're there so, so, you just uh, want to get that final dig in before the end of the episode <laughs> didn't you? but like i want to the fact that so many people struggle to get there and we're there let's make it worth it so people please follow us and make it worth Spotify's while to have us there. Exactly. So thank you for tuning in. We will see you in two weeks' time. Love and hugs and all that good stuff. Goodbye for now. Bye! You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five.